Hello and welcome. It's the chat. I am Manny. My guest was one of the very young governors in the 1967 regime of General Gowan, and now a royalty in the sense of being the king of brass. His Royal Majesty, King Alfred Dieter Spiff, is a meteorologist, a seaman, the first military governor of River State, a first-class traditional ruler in Bielsa State, a businessman and administrator, an auctioneer, an agronomist, and the King of Tuan Brass. Born in the 1940s, King Alfred attended St. Joseph's College in Western Cameroon. He graduated from the Britannia Royal Navy College, Dartmouth, and served with the Royal Navy. He had a brief stint as a meteorological officer at the Ikeja Airport in Lagos. This period prepared him for the career path he eventually towed. He joined the Nigerian Defense Academy as a cadet and during training was captain of his ship, leading a squadron. At the age of 25, following the creation of states in 1967 from part of the Old Eastern Region, he was appointed the first military governor of River State in Nigeria under the Military Leadership Administration of General Yakubu Gowon. His time as the military administrator of River State laid the foundation for the development of the state. His leadership focused on building the commercial, trade and industrial life of the state. He also invested in human capital development, housing, transport and tourism. During this time, he was a member of the Supreme Military Council and held office from May 1967 to 1975. After retirement from office, returned to private practice, but barely three years after leaving office. He was crowned by his people in 1978 as the Amanayabo King of Tuan Brass, succeeding the late King Arisoma Sambo. A visionary community engagement officer, he keeps serving as a bridge builder between his community and multinational corporation in Tuan Brass. More recently, at the national level, he served in the Committee on Models and Structure of Government during the 2014 CONFAB. While he remains the King of Tuan Brass, he keeps creating opportunities for his people through numerous vocational skills acquisition schemes. He spends his time playing golf in the company of friends. He is married to Her Majesty Queen Josephine Deity Spiff, and the union has many children. Hello, and welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to see you now. Most of my privilege was watching you on television, giving out instructions and all of that. How do you feel now as a retired ex-service man? Well, it's a great life. I mean, the uh, retiree, you know, on, when I was retired on my birthday on 30th of July, 1975, I got a nice set a hamper, took it to my old man and said, Daddy, another pensioner in the family. <laughs> you know, congratulations. I mean, 
you were a governor of you know a country like Nigeria at the age of 24. Okay. I mean, what did you know at the age of 24? I mean, how could you have been a governor at 24? I was a competent, um, responsible naval officer. And, um, you know, with the uh, profession of uh, navigation and um, flying and so on, you don't take command until you are 24. Because um, the command of uh, an airline, for instance, if it makes a mistake, a hundred people die. If a doctor, with all his knowledge, makes a mistake on the operating theater, one person dies. So it's a great respons responsibility. So by that age, I've already been in command of ships. Well, let's even go back. That wasn't your first job as a man, was it? No, I started off life as a meteorological officer. Interesting. I trained with the Meteorological School Oshudi in 1961 and um, worked in the Keja airport as a weather observer, forecasted the weather for the flights coming in. And um, then I applied to the Navy to become one of their cadets. The Royal Navy or Royal Nigerian Navy as it was then uh, could not take us or take me but the Inland Waterways under uh, Chief Ailero, who was the director of the Inland Waterways, um, selected two of us, one Johnny Pinston and myself as um, Marine Officer Cadets. And we handed over to the Elder Dempster Alliance to train as Marine Officers and to get the international training and certificates. But luckily for us, um, we're now handed over to the Nigerian Navy for the square bashing, the initial um, training. And while there, you know, um, our performance impressed the Nigerian Navy and Admiral Wei, who was a Commodore and said, no, this is very good material for the fighting Navy, not the major Navy. And so he now approved that I transfer my services to the Nigerian Navy. And that was in 1962. So I now um, became this squadron leader um, of the 18 cadets um, who had just come down from the Nigerian Military Academy in Kaduna. And um, now we're to be given naval training. And I virtually was like the instructor uh, because I had been specialized in the navigation and naval uh, maneuvers. And um, by August that year, we went off for training abroad with the Royal Navy at the Britannia Royal Naval College. And I was the team leader, the cadet captain. Mm. And um, the General Ironzi, then a brigadier, was the uh, military advisor at Northumberland Avenue uh, in London for the British National Service. Yes. Okay. As a young man, what other fun memories do you have? Oh, I mean, we got down there, you know, the Beatles were at their best. And um, all the um, beautiful movies, you know, musicals, you know, West Side Story, you know, and things were all at the time. And, um, you know, Gigi, you know, uh, My Fair Lady and all those things, you know, so Oklahoma and all those fine, you know, musicals. And that way we, 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 we blended into the whole system. 
walking through life, you have to make friends and keep making friends. And I believe that friends I've made, you know, I like to keep them. Who was your best friend in those days, you know, growing up? I had my countryman, his name was um, Peter Hemben. Peter Hemben um, from Boku. Um, he was um, my classmate as well as uh, my roommate when we were sharing cabins initially. And um, we also so you, you we, both we, we spent most of my holidays together. together. Yes, yes. We, um, when um, we were invited by the former officers of the Royal Navy, which included Captain Litchfield, John Litchfield of um, the HMS Vanguard fame. You know, Vanguard was the biggest uh, battleship ever built in the world. She was not quite ready before the war ended. Talking, you, talking about war now, let's say you came back or you were asked to come back in 1967 to become the governor? No, no, no. We came back in 65. Right. We went in 66, I mean, uh, 62, three-year training. And we we're now ready to come back, but um, we had to be delayed because um, Nigeria was going to buy some ships from the Royal Navy and had made the down payments. So those ships were supposed to be ferried by us. And I was appointed as one of the captains of the ship because I haven't finished my training. As I said, I was still uh, being regarded as the senior cadet, uh, now the senior sub-lieutenant. So we were there, and um, after six weeks, preparing to bring back the ships, we were disappointed because the balance payment had not been made. And um, by that time, we had already sent back our cars and our own uh, personal effects and so on, and we were now on borrowed time. So when the month ended and we had no pay point, I had to be the one responsible to go and arrange for money. So I paid myself and my colleagues, you know, I came back and they said I took a loan from the Royal Navy and I had to pay it, even that the one I gave to my colleagues. So that was another grave responsibility. When you find that by doing an on good turn and doing your duties, you now get taxed and um, Subjected to having to pay a loan which you did not enjoy had to be, you know, it was all part of our salaries. However, in the midst of all that, I was announced. Well, I came back immediately, and I was made the captain of a ship when I came back. And um, by that December 1965, I was already captain of LNS Calabar. So when it took the coup took place in 1966, I was already commanding officer of the ship. And so they, I was a member of the uh, uh, council, the war council. Uh, let, 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 let's look at it this way. Yes. You became the military governor of Rivers in 1967, correct? 67, yes. Remember 66, the coup took place? Yes. And then the uh, Ojuku and uh, Ejo and Katsina uh, were the ones who were uh, made governors of the three um, regions. Then in um, 67, there was a coup, and General uh, Lieutenant Colonel Gawan at the time took over. And then this, the country was split up into 12 states, uh, six to the north and six to the south. And uh, I, it was then that we were made, May of 1967, I became the governor. What did you find in Rivers at the time you became governor? Well, I couldn't even move in because that territory was effectively occupied by Ujuku 
and um, his men. And so the exercise of police action, which was started and became a, a civil war, um, lasted till 1970. Yeah. It ended in 1970, 1970 yes. January. Um, but I was able to go to Port Harcourt to my seat of um, government in 1968, uh, around September 68. So I arrived at Port Harcourt and then started to set up government there. And um, the general officer commanding the 3rd Marine Commando, our own very um, able um, Colonel Benjamin Odigley, the Black Scorpion himself. The Black Scorpion. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he was the one breathing fire and brimstone at the time. You, you, you sound very excited telling this part of your story. Mm. Why, 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 why are you so excited? Oh, yeah, the, the, the Scorpion was very efficient. Even when um, Harold Wilson, the Prime Minister then of Britain, came and uh, you know, saw uh, how um, operationally um, competent and active he was, you know. He came back to report back to the General, General Gowan that uh, I went, I saw the Scorpion in, in action and <laughs> he was very impressed. The state what, what do you remember most about the war? The war, yes, that unfortunate war. Um, a lot of our people died in the war. They were evacuated as soon as, just before the liberation of Port Harcourt. As soon as our troops got into Duboni, uh, we could not proceed to Port Harcourt. So um, most of the elites in Port Harcourt, Rivers people, were evacuated uh, to Umahia, to the hinterland. Uh, my family, of course, came under that um, indignation. And, um, not all of them came back at the end of the war. In that January 1970, quite a number of persons had been executed by uh, the um, Ujuku and his men. And um, even when they came to attack my family house in Port Harcourt and burnt everything, broad daylight, the mob was not, they were not wearing masks. And you found out that these were people who, um, your own neighbors and supposed friends and brothers who were doing this to people like uh, my family, uh, Graham Douglas and um, Tiana Bessos and all that. So you can imagine when the war ended, these people are coming back now. And when they burnt your house, they don't want to come and take back their own houses. And that also left a sour taste in the mouth. I mean, after being an ex-service military man, you become the king of a, a community called Brass. How did you meet up with the transition, you, you know, change from a military man to being a community king? I've always wanted to join the Navy or to be a sailor. Um, but who inspired more, more so my, my old man, my dad, you know, he was very, very articulate. He, um, he was the postmaster of the province of Cameroon. 
based in Boya, and the, the, he was the, his telephone number was Boya number one. And uh, the next person to him was the provincial um, administrator, who was the brigadier of the uh, British Army, Brigadier Gibbons. And we, they, they had this big castle. And I was the one who was answering most of his telephone calls when <laughs> I come back from my kindergarten school. So he invited me over for, for, for tea and uh, gave me the key to the entire residency. So I, I could go there and play and hunt the butterflies and pick the, um, the, the roses and things. What kind of a boy were you, you know, from age five and the rest? You know? well, quite responsible, honest. I, 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 really? Yes, you somehow. Were, you somehow were truly I, responsible? Oh, yes. I, I was answering the brigadier, you know, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, he takes a lot of courage for a five-year-old to sing. Good morning, sir. How can I help you? And so the man was so impressed. He said, there's a young man who cannot answer my telephone. Can you bring him down for and um, come have tea with me? So around that fourth day, I was in the <laughs> residency having tea with the brigadier. I mean, that is courage beyond the call of duty. So from there, I mean, you know, as I said again, also, I, there was I, you uh, might say I've been lucky. And there was I dealing with Brigadier Ironse, you know. And so by the time he came to become head of state, uh, he was calling me by first name. There was I, you know, he, he now left the scene. And then I'm now being made a governor. <laughs> all, things, be the all things apparently worked in your way. <laughs> yeah, so there it was, and then going to a pioneer state, you now had the chance of doing all the things um, that need to be done the proper way. Can I, can I, you know, point out something to you? You may agree or disagree, but some people have the opinion that there's not enough discipline in the Navy. The Navy uh, become, you know, too abusive of power. You may have started with you. No, you see, the, it's unfortunate that the emphasis have been reduced into um, what they are doing now. The British Army came into the Cameroon in 1960 to conduct the plebiscite, which, from which the, the Western Nigeria went back to joined uh, the Eastern Nigeria, I mean uh, Cameroon. Look, one British soldier in camouflage who take care of the whole crowd. Even in the days of Tafawa Balewa and, and Amadou Bello, one native authority policeman was dreaded. People obeyed laws as they were supposed to. But what have we got, you know? You now have everybody in camouflage. <laughs> and you know, the whole thing is... Okay, um, so you don't, you don't you, agree You know, the whole thing you, is... You don't agree with that change. Yeah. down, you know? Yeah. Seeing um, soldiers in camouflage on the street. This is something they use always at battlefront. I know, I mean... And then you even, where would you come across a soldier? Exactly. You know, that, that awe and respect, they say familiarity breeds contempt. So slowly things have deteriorated. And one time I was talking at um, a ceremony in Kano during the, one of the anniversaries of Adobaero. And I said, look, 
bringing back the native authority police may not have the same effect it had before now. It's like modern crows are not scared of scarecrows. <laughs> you know, you make a scarecrow, put it on the farm. Before now, the crow will see it and know that he's supposed to respect it and fear and leave your farm. But with a modern crow, you come and sit on it and shit on it. The military has been reduced or exposed to that level where the, 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 the man said, look, I don't have 20 naira. And the military, the, military, the soldier said, I get changed. <laughs> it's as serious as yes. that. So you can imagine what, how painful it is to me. You got it. It's very painful when you see these sort of things happening. Why expose the military? You know, aid to civil power is the only time the military comes out to face civilians. But now, military is being used as an, um, uh, door openers and, you know, used in such a... Why, why can't the military in Nigeria today fight and end insurgency and insecurity? Civil wars and insurgencies and um, 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 guerrilla warfare, you know the problem. Your brother is sitting here with you, you don't know that he has sympathy for the other side. It's a very uncanny feeling and uncomfortable feeling. So, you know, it's, it's um, and it has got a political connotation to it. But nonetheless, people are dying. People are being uh, abducted. People are being um, um, twisted. And um, we really have to look at it very carefully with a fine microscopic view and try to diagonize what the real answer is. And that's why many of us who are in civistry now uh, become consultants. You know, and uh, we could come up with these answers. They uh, we are available, but um, we are now consultants. We cannot come and pontificate and try to teach the military their job. They have to work and fight and do what they need to do. And what about state police? What's your opinion? Of course, state police is long overdue. You see, if you want to make omelette, you must break eggs. We were doing the parliamentary system, the British one. Then we decided to go the presidential system because it was very close to the military rule, you know, of command structure. Okay, by the presidential system, you must have state police. You must have county police. So we should have local government police, state police, and equip them. Well, who is going to be funding that? I mean, there's not enough money to even If you, know, can, cannot, if you cannot fund it, then, you know, um, you don't have a right to be a state or make laws. <laughs> and they funded the local, uh, uh, legislative arm of government. And those ones are pumping out laws of a specific or general nature. Who is going to implement the law? You but should I, have I, the law enforcement I, I, agency. I'm saying even the police, as it is, you know, it is right now, they're not well paid. You know, and that's why they collect... They're the still not well paid. The state yeah, so. spends a lot of money on the police, even as it is. But they have no control over the police. The police force is an unwieldy system. We should modernize it. You know, everybody's modernizing. Why not um, the police and the others? I've had my own simple, this thing might, be, might sound a bit um, almost uh, fundamental and poor, right? But you know, 
You have the Nigerian army. You have the Nigerian navy. Why? Where is the Nigerian police? We have a foreign police. They call themselves Nigeria police. The Nigeria police. The Gambia. The colony of the Gambia. <laughs> that is the English meaning of those things. The Nigeria police. You're feeling, feeling happy with yourself. <laughs> you recall... There should be Nigerian police. Then maybe they will start behaving Nigerian. You recall that day that your job as a governor came to an end? The night before then, my commissioner of police, Ali Dewu, um, requested that he would like to come and see me. I was going to play some golf. And, um, I said, okay, come in around at 7.38. And so he did. And he came out looking at me and I was looking at him. Apparently he knew the coup was going to take place that night. The chat is produced by Channels Television. You can watch it again online. Just visit our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook. Mm -hmm.